Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, we celebrate the third Sunday of Easter. Now turn to the Gospel. Here we have Luke's account of Jesus' appearance to the apostles. Now, we find this a story that is very rich in symbolism. In fact, it's really the story of how we relate to Jesus' resurrection. Notice how it begins. The two disciples recounted what they had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. While they were still speaking about this, Jesus stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. And so from the very beginning of the story, Luke is telling us this is a story where we see the primacy of God's grace. The apostles right now in the upper room, they're afraid that they will be next to be crucified. Now, despite the locked doors, Jesus stands in their midst. Now, the apostles aren't imagining something. Now, at first they think Jesus is a ghost. They heard a few strange stories about Jesus having been risen from the dead. And for all intents and purposes, they still believe that he is dead. Now, this is interesting. The apostles are not out in the streets or in the countryside looking for Jesus. Despite the fact that Peter and John have seen the empty tomb, despite the fact that Mary Magdalene has seen the risen Christ, despite the fact that the two men on the road to Emmaus have just come back and reported they've seen the risen Christ, they're cowering behind locked doors. They're not going out in search of Jesus. Now, what's important to recognize in this story, Jesus is looking for them. See, that gets to the very heart of the spiritual life. Remember the story of Jesus when he begins his ministry? You know, Peter is in his boat, working, mending his nets, minding his own business. Jesus suddenly gets into his boat with him. Peter does invite Jesus, but suddenly Jesus just climbs right into his boat. Look at how Jesus recruits, personally recruits all of his apostles It's Jesus going to the apostles and recruiting them personally, not the other way around. And so the same thing holds true with us. You know, we see that every time we pray, when we come to Mass, when we engage the sacraments, Jesus comes to us and not the other way around. Don't be duped by this new age spirituality that says that God is some spiritual figure off in the distance, and it's our search for God. That's what the spiritual life is all about. Well, that's not true. Jesus proves that time and time again in the Gospels. The whole spiritual life is about God pursuing us. Now, go back to the story. The apostles are cowering in fear behind locked doors, and now Jesus stands before them. 
Herein lies the primacy of God's grace. Salvation happens because God wills it, not because we will it. We are saved because God comes to us, despite the obstacles of our sinfulness. Notice the story continues. It says, they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Well, the apostles' first reaction to Jesus is fear. Now, when you stop and think about it, it is understandable. The apostles are seeing something that is completely unexpected, that has never been seen before, someone who has risen from the dead. Jesus is the person that they saw dead on the cross, and now he's alive standing before them, we too would be startled. Say, for example, we saw a relative die. We attended their funeral. We saw them being buried, and yet now they're standing before us. So we too would be scared. Notice it says, they thought they were seeing a ghost. Well, the apostles were Jesus's closest companion. We have to remember that. And when the Jews and the Romans came for Jesus to arrest him. It was the apostles that fled. They abandoned Jesus. Worse yet, they denied him. So the apostles think Jesus is back for revenge, for retribution, our sense of justice. Now, what does Jesus do? It says he showed them his hands and his feet. He showed them his wounds. Essentially, he showed them the effects of sin. Betrayal, denial, abandonment. One of the worst things that we can do is forget or deny our sins. If we truly deny our sins, well, then we are in no need of a Savior. The first thing that Jesus does is to show the effects of betrayal, denial, and abandonment. The central mark of saints is their deep awareness of their sinfulness. Saints will not say, I have no sin. Quite opposite. The saints know they're sinners. You know, it's the old saying, the difference between a sinner and a saint, the saint knows that they're sinners. And yet, it's important to realize the saints aren't constantly preoccupied with their sinfulness or obsessed with it, such that they become incredibly scrupulous people. No, they're aware of who they are in relationship with God and how much they need their Savior in their life. Now, if we say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, we're all fine. Well, if we're tempted to make that statement, we must look hard at the crucified Christ. Look at the wounds of Jesus like the apostles did. If everything was okay, there was no need for sin, then there would be no wounds for Jesus to bear. Instead, Jesus has wounds and reminds us of our sin and our need of a Savior. Notice what else he says to them. Peace be with you. Now picture this image. Jesus standing in the middle of a room. The apostles are surrounding him. That's the beautiful portrait of our church. That's the whole purpose for what Christ came into this world for. Think of it. Jesus came into this world Yes, to gather the tribes of Israel, but more importantly, to gather us, the world, all of us, back to God. In the midst of his apostles that are circled around him, he says to them, peace be with you. Now, peace comes 
from our life that is gathered around Jesus Christ. The problem? Well, is when we look for peace in the wrong places. We may look for peace or fulfillment or joy in life in things like power, notoriety, money, honor, whatever it may be, things of this world. Well, peace cannot come from those sources. You know, all those things are passing. True peace, true forgiveness, as well as fulfillment in life only comes when we are gathered around Jesus Christ. Peace is seen first and foremost in our liturgy. You know, when we gather around the Lord at Mass, how do we begin our Mass? Well, the priest says, may the peace of Christ be with you. And the people respond, and with your spirit. Before communion, we exchange a sign of peace amongst each other. So it begs the question, why is peace so important here? Well, because the apostles know that they have sinned against Christ, and they are in need of redemption. And yet Jesus, he doesn't respond by vengeance or retribution, but he responds with love and compassion, just like he does for us something altogether different from our world. If you look at the ancient history of our world, even to today, stories, movies, mythology, they're all the same. It's violence upsets order, the order of this world. Therefore, the only way the order of this world can be restored is through greater violence to correct the wrong that was created. Just look at ancient mythologies. Who is always the hero? It's the one who restores order with greater violence. And it continues in our own day and age. Most movies or TV shows have that same theme. Some evil person or force has upset the order of this world. Yet it's restored through the retribution or the violence of another. But Jesus shows us a way out. You know, was the world order upset? Absolutely. In fact, it's the worst crime committed ever in the history of the world, which is the killing of Jesus Christ. Go to the first reading. Peter identifies that. He says, You denied the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you, the offer of life you put to death. But God raised him from the dead. Of this we are witnesses. And so Peter, in the first reading, he talks about the total disruption of God's order in which Jesus is put to death. How does God respond? With violence? No. Instead, just the opposite, with compassion, love, and peace, and therefore restores the lost order. The risen Jesus gives us a way out, a way out of the cycle of violence and retribution, a way out which is the compassion of Jesus Christ. When the apostles hear the words of Christ, when he says, peace be with you, they realize that they are forgiven sinners. And now they are commissioned to do the same, to share God's peace and forgiveness and compassion to the entire world. That's why Jesus says at the end of the gospel passage for today, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
Herein lies the truth. We are all sinners, and yet we are forgiven and love sinners. Go back to the Mass. We gather around a forgiving Christ every time we gather for Mass because we are forgiven sinners. At the very beginning of Mass, we have the penitential rite in which we recognize our identity as sinners, but nonetheless forgiven and loved sinners. Every time we gather for Mass, we gather around the risen Jesus Christ, just like the apostles did in the Gospel for today. And in doing so, we find peace, we find forgiveness through the compassion and the love of Christ. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.